Hold your Bible, lift it up real high. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Alright, still talking about prayer. How many of you have enjoyed the series so far? And I've been getting a lot of good feedback. We're still talking about prayer. And we discovered that prayer is not just us presenting a grocery list before God. We also discovered that prayer is not, is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Amen? And we talked about the different kinds of prayer that we find in Scripture. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 18, Pray always with all kinds of prayer. You know, I know the church major in one kind of prayer, known as the prayer of asking, but God wants you to approach Him with all these various ways that He has made available for us. You can say amen to that. And um, we've dealt with the prayer of petition, also known as the prayer of asking. And we've dealt with the prayer of thanksgiving. Amen. We've also dealt with the prayer of intercession. What you do between the time you prayed your prayer and the manifestation. Amen. And today we are moving right along. So if you have not been here uh, in the past month, you can go to our website and download these teachings for free. Amen. Let us now go to Acts chapter number 13 from verse 1 to 3. Today we are dealing with two kinds of prayer. We are dealing with what is known as the prayer of consecration. I like to call it the prayer of submission. Someone say submission. Uh, with most women, submission is a cast word. Amen. It's like, man, submission. No, it's not. Submission is an attitude. Let me just talk about that real quick. Submission is not an act. Submission is an attitude that produces obedience. So you could, you know, disobey with the right attitudes. You are still in submission. Amen. I said, Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter number 13, verse 1 to 3. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Elijah. I'm trying to avoid a certain word there. Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herods, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord, or as they prayed this prayer of consecration, this prayer of submission watch what happened as they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy spirit said how many of you know that god is a speaking spirit and how many of you know that the holy spirit wants to speak with us amen and as they were ministering as they were making themselves available as they were submitting their plans to him god began to give them direction Man, you need to pray this prayer where you go constantly before God and seek and ask for direction. Because yeah, He knows which way you need to be going. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So many things I could talk about here concerning the church. This is why, you know, when Bruce was going to Pakistan, we just didn't send him like a lost child. We brought him in, laid our hands, and 
sent him away. You know what that does? You're sending him with your blessing. But that's a side story. The prayer of submission is what you pray when you do not have a specific promise or a specific instruction to address something that you are going through in your life at a moment. So, for example, if you get three job offers, how do you know which one to take? Well, Pastor T, that's easy. I'll take the one that offers the most money. It's not as easy as that. Amen? When you are in a country with 20 million males and about 10 million bachelors, how do you know which one or whichever one comes to me first, Pastor G? I'll just take anything that works. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You're going to have to submit to God's will through the prayer of consecration, through the prayer of submission. Amen? In other words, you go to God and say, God, which one's for me? And because God knows all things and He knows where you should be, He will give you instructions. Amen? Man, you need the spirit of discernment. You need to see things beyond what you see with these physical eyes. A story is told of a man who went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, you know, he you know, arrived at the pearly gates and he, met, he was met with Peter. And Peter said to him, man, welcome to heaven. And he said, man, I'm so glad I'm in heaven. And Peter said, man, before we let you into heaven, we are going to give you an opportunity to also experience hell so that you can truly exercise your free will and choose after you have experienced hell. So the man said, man, I know. I don't even want to go to hell. I know I want to get into heaven and I want to get in right now. And Peter said, man, we can't let you in. It's protocol. You also have to experience hell. So the man said, okay, if you say so, I'll go. And uh, Peter, you know, put him in an elevator, pressed, you know, H-E-L-L. And the man went down. And the man went down and down and down and he went. And he kept going down and down and down and down. And finally, he arrived in hell. And the doors opened. And man, he looked out. It was the most beautiful skyline he had ever seen. Perfect weather. Man, just beautiful scenery and everything was looking, man, uh, supercalifragilistic, expialidocious. Everything was looking, wow. And over there, he saw a few of his friends and family members, and they welcomed him. They welcomed him in, and they said, man, welcome to hell. And he said, man, this is not what I expected. This place is beautiful. And so he experienced uh, some time there for about... Uh, uh, eight hours and evening came and they told him, man, now it's time for you to head back. And Satan came and he walked him uh, to the elevator and he said, man, we look forward to seeing you again. So the man went into the elevator and uh, he pressed heaven and he went up to heaven. And when he got to heaven, he was met with Peter. And Peter said to him, well, tell us, what did you see? He said, man, I didn't expect what I saw. He said, so I... Are you ready to make a decision? He says, man, I'm ready. He says, what are you, you going to do? He says, man, I never thought that I would be the one making this decision. <laughs> but I have to tell you, Peter, I'm going back to hell, man. <laughs> and Peter said, okay, well, it's your choice. Put him in the elevator, pressed H-E-L-L, and the thing went down and down and down, except this time, the further down it went, a little warmer it got. 
started getting water and water and water and water. And when he finally arrived uh, in hell, he looked out. And man, it was gray and cloudy and just storms, lightning everywhere. And he looked at his friends and they were now in rags and, you know, eating out of the bean. And he went to Satan. He said, man, this is not the place I came to yesterday. And Satan said to him, man, yesterday we were recruiting. <laughs> and today you are a part of the staff. <laughs> you are working here now. <laughs> Hunt your neighbor and tell them not everything that glitters is gold. So you need some discernment. You know why? Because God can see through things. So you need to bring your life before him. But when you do so, you need to be ready to obey. You know, I was sharing with my wife, I remember 2012, 2013, you know, we got an offer to pastor a church in Southern California. And man, you know, I remember us flying out there, they flew us in and we were going to minister there. We went to preach and man, we had a good time. I remember the one tour we did because they were selling the idea to us. So the guy came to pick us up in a, a Porsche a Panamera, four doors. And he took us to an island called Coronado. Man, I was sold. <laughs> I was sold. Uh, you know, I just told you, not everything that glitters is gold. Yeah. This was real gold. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was gold. Took us to Coronado and, you know, just everything beautiful. Some of the most beautifulest houses I've ever seen in my life. Right at the coast, right at the beach, man. The backyard of your house is the beach. It's the ocean. And I was like, man, this, this place is beautiful. And it, it was promising. So I went back home and I, knew, I was the only one who knew about the offer. So after the thing, I thought now my wife is ready for us to make this commitment. I need to break the news now. So I went back home and I said, honey, uh, what do you think about mo us moving to this place and, you know, pastoring this church? And, you know, the question she asked me sobered me up. She said, what's God saying to you? And I was like, well, I... You know, at this moment, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. But guess what? That's important. You know why? Because you need to be where God wants you to be. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 25. Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 25. It says, there are ways which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If you're reading in the New King James Bible, it says, there is a way that seems right unto a man. In other words, when you step into it, you are convinced this is the right decision. Because it seems right to you. You have no, there is no doubt about it. This is the right thing. But here the Bible says it seems right to you. Have you checked to see if it's the right thing with God? And this is the place where you pray the prayer of submission. Lord, show me your will and I'll walk in it. Amen. He says this way that seems right to a man leads to destruction. Hallelujah. And I want to show you something else. Not every good idea is a God idea. You need to investigate. You need to let the Holy Spirit show you the, 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 the truth about the situation that you're in. In its truest spiritual form. Amen? I said amen. 
And the second thing I want you to write down, if you're taking down notes, is that the safest place to be in the whole wide world is to be in the will of God. Man, when you are in the will of God, you are in the safest place to be in the whole wide world. And you need to strive to be in God's will. Let us go now to James chapter number 4 from verse 6 to 7. James chapter number 4 verse 6 to 7. Someone shout, I will submit to God's will concerning my relationships, concerning my life decisions, concerning the call of God on my life. Amen. Notice what it says in verse 6. It says, but he, who might be he, capital letter H, God, amen. It says, but he gives or giveth more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. The difference between pride and humility is what you do with the will of God. To be prideful is to think that you can do it your way. To be humble. Listen, a lot of people think, you know, humility is wearing a, 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 a head wrap, you know, a, a long dress that touches your ankles and no makeup. What are you doing? I'm being humble. No, no, you're not. Being humble is being submitted to God's will over your life or for your life. And he's saying he gives more grace to the humble. He gives more grace to people who live a constant, consistent life of submission. And watch what happens in verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Man, I'm still looking for a scripture that will say, I suggest to you that this may be a good idea. I'm still looking for it. I haven't seen it throughout the whole Bible. This is not a suggestion. It's a divine grace instruction. Submit. He says, submit yourselves therefore to who? To, to your opinions? No. To your feelings? No. To your plans? Which may lead to distraction? No, to God's plan. Submit yourself to God's plan. Man, when I went and asked God, God told me plain and simple, no, Tavara, I haven't called you to be here. Stay doing what I've called you to do and I'll tell you if something else comes up. Man, it's humbling, ain't it? <laughs> But guess what? The safest place to be is in the will of God. Hallelujah. He says, man, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will free, flee from you. Amen. How many of you realize that you can't resist the devil unless you have submitted to God? You know, you can't be taking the devil's plan and expecting to resist him. No, you haven't resisted him. You've submitted to him. Amen. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 10, verse 23. I'm showing you all these scriptures. So you know how to make the decisions of life. Amen. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 says, Oh Lord, I know that the way of a man is not in himself. Did you see it? He says, I know it. I know that the way of a man is not in himself. It is not. Someone say it's not. It is not in a man that walks to direct his steps. 
No, no, no. No, you were never created to make your own plans. Uh, Listen, if you're going to go with God and prosper and live a victorious life, this has to be a reality. You were never created to do your own thing. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing for the next two years and then... No, no, you were never created to do your own thing. You were created to live a submitted life. Let's go to uh, Psalms 37, verse 23. I'm rushing because we are dealing with two uh, kinds of prayers today. Psalm 37, verse 23. So if you, if you not live to... If you are not created to make your own plans, who should make your, your, you know, the plans for you? It tells you. Psalms 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by who? See, the steps of a good man, man, they are ordered of the Lord. In other words, God is the one who should direct your steps. Hallelujah. He says, and he delights in his way. Next verse. We're just going to read two more verses. I want you to see what happens when you are submitted to God's will. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Though you make mistakes. Listen, if you make mistakes in the will of God, you are still safe. But if you make mistakes out of the will of God, guess what? You may get what's coming at you. Though you may, be, though you may make mistakes, he is not utterly cast down. Down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Next verse, watch what happens. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen this man who is submitted to God's will forsaken. No, his seed begging for bread. One of the ways to see whether you are in God's vision or not is to see if there is provision. Because if it's God's vision, he will pay for it. But if it's your bill, you will have to pay for it. Okay, the next kind of prayer is called the prayer of agreement. I only have 10 more minutes, so we need to rush. The prayer of agreement, let's go now to Matthew chapter number 18, verse 19. Is this good so far? Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say unto you, that if two, someone say two. He says, if two of you shall agree on earth. Where? I didn't hear that. Which means right here, right? It says if two of us agree on something here on the earth concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in what? Heaven. Notice it didn't say there's a good chance. It didn't say if two of you shall agree on something here on the earth, there's a good chance the probability, you know, tilting you. No, it says man, it shall, shall. S-H-A-L-L. It's a legal term. This thing is happening. No way, Jose. But guess what? He's not just talking about, Pastor, will you agree with me for a new job? In fact, when people say that to me, what they're saying is, Pastor, I want you to make it uh, 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 your job to pray for me that I get a new job. They're not even in the deal. They're transferring responsibility. What he's saying here is you need to come to a place of almost a covenantal agreement that we are standing together and agreeing on this thing until it comes to manifestation. And not only are we agreeing in words and in prayer, we are also agreeing in what we will do after we get out of the prayer closet. Because a lot of people will agree with you, praying for your healing, for a cancer, and walk out talking about, man, did you hear what she's got? I don't think she's going to last six months. You know what you just did? You just canceled the agreement. 
and it shall not be done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, unity is key. It's, it's critical when it comes to prayer. It's vital that we stay in unity. Amen? I said amen. amen. If you're writing down notes, write this down. God honors unity. He has ordained the blessing at the place of unity. Amen? Let's go now to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Thank you, Jesus. This is why Satan glories in this division. He loves it when we fight. He loves it when we can't stay together, unified, one purpose, one mind. You know why? Because he knows if you're divided, you can't accomplish much. Amen? I said amen. amen. Especially husband and wife. Remember 1 Peter 3 verse 7? It says, husband, dwell in peace with your wives. Do one thing. Do one thing. Do one thing. He says, as you do one thing, your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if a husband and a wife are not doing one thing, they're not walking in the same direction, guess what? Their prayers are going to be what? Hindered. You know, I've counseled a lot of women that come to me and they say, Pastor T, you know, I really love Faith Hill Church, but my husband wants us to go together to a Presbyterian church. And I've had to tell them, go with your husband, just so that there can be unity. Because I know what the enemy is doing right there. He's trying to get them to start fighting. He's trying to get them to start doing two things that are going in the opposite direction. And guess what? Someone is growing in faith. Someone is not. There's, there's just going to be conflict. And, and I always tell people who go to, you know, some of these churches that don't believe healing. They don't believe all the, you know, uh, goodness of the Lord and things like that. And they say, man, pastor, you know, I'm going to keep going to this church because I feel like I'm the one who's going to change them. No, you're not. You are the one Satan is using to cause division and strife. Those people are good. It, they are better off in unity without you. They are better off in unity in ignorance than they are you trying to so strive and you know trying to steer the sheep and disrespect authority and so on and so forth. Amen. And when it comes to the corporate body of Christ. It's amazing how many Christians sow seeds of division on social media. You know, you, you, you never ever post about the healings that are taking place in the world. You only start posting about the church when they catch a false prophet. In fact, there are people who believe, man, this is my God-given calling to look for false prophets and expose them. Man, how dumb can you get and still breathe? What did Jesus say? Jesus said when he sowed uh, wheat, the enemy came in the night and also sowed what? Weeds. And then the people came and they said, man, we need to uproot the weeds. What did Jesus say? Leave them. Let them grow together. We'll deal with it later. You think Jesus doesn't know they are false prophets? He prophesied it. He said in the last days, there will be false prophets. And he's going to deal with it. You know what you're doing when you're publishing that? Joel Osteen won't let, you know, use the flood. What you're doing, man, you're causing strife and division in the church. And you're, man, you're causing more damage than good. Hallelujah. Okay, moving right along. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? I did not hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, preach with me. 
He says it's, it's, it's good and pleasant. It is like the precious oil. Every time you see the word oil, he's talking about the anointing. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. What is he saying? There's tremendous power. There's a tremendous anointing released when people dwell together in unity. This is why throughout the whole book of Acts, you keep hearing the disciples were in one accord. And I've always wondered, 12 grown men in one Honda Accord. <laughs> Since the disciples were in one accord, 12 of them. They were in one accord. Man, he didn't even have to mention that, but he tells you they were in one accord. They, they were of one mind. They were, of one, they were doing one thing. Amen? And there was tremendous power released because of that. It says in verse 3, it is like the Jew of Hermon. The place of unity. It is like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where? At the place of unity. There the Lord commanded the blessing. There at the place of unity. At the place of oneness. Amos 3 verse 3. How can two walk together unless they agree? How can two progress in life unless they agree? And you can apply this to your marriage. Without agreement there is no progress. Okay, moving right along quickly. <laughs> Invertedly, unity in the wrong things also brings tremendous power for success in the wrong things. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 11 verse 6. Genesis 11 verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people are what? I didn't hear that. This is a whole nation. It says, Behold, the people are one, and they all have one language. In other words, all of them are speaking the same thing. This is why most of you, uh, at the reception of your workplace, they have a vision board that they want you to know. Because they want you to be of one mind, of one language. They want you to speak the same thing. Because they know there's tremendous power in that. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Behold, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this thing they begin to do. And these people were gathering to do an evil thing. And this is God speaking. He's saying they are one. And they have one language. And this thing that they are gathering to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them. Or nothing can stop them. Did you see? He says nothing can stop them. Because they are at a place of unity. And when we come together. And touch and agree. On a prayer request. At a covenantal level. Where we say man I'm putting my faith down. Until we see this thing come to pass. And walk together that way. Listen, there's tremendous power released. We're going to start seeing results in our prayer lives. Amen. You may not be where you are when it comes to your faith. Find someone else who's got stronger faith. Touch and agree on something. Man, send each other scriptures. Encourage each other. Focus on it. Build your faith. And as you do that, a tremendous power is released to bring results to your prayers. How many of you would like to see your prayers answered? You're going to have to start praying this way. You're going to have to start thinking about your prayer life. Amen? Amen. And not just be haphazard about praying. <laughs> you have to start thinking, man, 
I need to be strategic about the way I pray. Amen? I said amen. amen. We're going to read quickly uh, from uh, my book. There's something that I wrote uh, that's interesting, and then we'll close. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there was an unprecedented unity amongst the believers in the early church. Right from the beginning, we witnessed that 120 believers waited in one accord in the upper room. The phrase one accord is the Greek word homothumadon. Homo, which means same, and thymos, which means passion. This means that they had one passion. And they were of like precious faith and of one mind. There were no divisions amongst them. If you enter into a prayer of agreement with a brother or a sister about something, there is no room for you to communicate anything contrary. Amen? And it says in John 17 from verse 21 to 22, this is Jesus praying, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is saying when the church starts walking in unity, the world will believe that Jesus was sent of God. I mean, Jesus could have said, God, give them miracles. Did you see it? He said, give it to me in the New King James Bible. Verse 21, if you will, please. That they may all be one. He's praying for us. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. He's saying the net effect of us walking in unity and agreement is that the world, listen, the world, they're not going to be convinced by miracles. I mean, they always find an excuse. Oh, they brought their own sick people. They, this church, they Bible chairs, brought their own sick people. It's just a show. It's a put on, oh, you know. You remember the rich man and Lazarus in heaven? They're having a conversation with Abraham. Say, Father Abraham, why don't you send Lazarus back? Because this hell place is burning, man. It's, I don't like it here. And I don't want any of my family members to come here. Father Abraham, why don't you send Lazarus back so that he can preach to my family? What did Father Abraham say? He said, man, we already have prophets and teachers preaching to them in the earth. If they don't believe those ones, let me guarantee you, even if Lazarus comes from the dead, they're not going to believe him. He's still going to find an excuse, man. He's, he wasn't dead in the first place. He, he had fainted. He's going to find an excuse. But what will convince the world to believe in God, at least according to Jesus' estimation, when we as Christians start walking in unity, in agreement? Someone shout, I believe, and I agree with you. That God still does miracles. That God still heals the sick. Man, if we can come to a place of agreement just with just, just that one promise, we'll start seeing people come out of wheelchairs in this place. Someone shout, I believe and I agree with you that God wants all of us to be in good health and to prosper financially. And if we can agree just one just that one promise 
Man, we'll see tremendous things happening. And man, I'm trying to preach this message. I'm trying to preach prosperity. Someone else is sitting there thinking, man, I, you know, I just want to be rich in spirit, Pastor. I just want to be rich in spirit. Man, God wants us to be in unity. He wants us to touch and agree. And as we do that, there's a tremendous power released corporately. To a certain level, what we do corporately will affect you. This is why how you live your life is a concern to me. Because what we do corporately is key. Remember when Miriam disobeyed uh, Moses and, you know, the lines of authority and she had leprosy? They were told to all stop. No one moves. You can't progress until she's healed. Then you will all start moving. When the Apostle Paul was trying to preach sexual immorality, he said if one of you goes into the world and, you know, sleeps with a prostitute, all of you are affected by that. Did you read it? He says, man, this, this, this unity thing is critical. We need to start walking in unity. One mind, one passion. Amen? I said, Amen. He says, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Unity was so much part of the early church doctrine that when Peter was being persecuted, the whole church gathered in one accord and prayed a prayer of agreement. And we all know what happened. He was rescued. Amen? I said, Amen. And what happened in Acts chapter number 4, verse 24? And when they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and say, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And the results is in verse 31. It says, and when they prayed that prayer, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. You see what happens when you're in agreement? It says the place was shaken. Acts chapter number 4 verse 31. Place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with what? I didn't hear that. God always blesses the place of unity. Psalm 133 verse 3 says, For there at the place of unity, the Lord has commanded the blessing. Why don't you stand on your feet? I stand in your word. Your faithfulness stand in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. Your promise still stands. Just for about thirty minutes. Ready is your
is my confidence, your faithfulness. You never fail me. You never fail me. Thank you, Lord. 
you are a good God. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we have seen you move mountains and we know you will do it for us. Again. Thank you, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. This is my God. shouted amen and amen and amen and remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 for we walk by faith and not by sight we love you God bless you your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence. 